So we're continuing on. Okay, in verse 22, it says, He who has an ear, the Lord is talking, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the seven churches are shown uh, that Christ is God, the Son of God. He is in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The message is from the Father, it is from the Son, and it is from the Spirit. They're speaking as one. He lets them know, each church, that he knows their works, their deeds, and their actions. Doesn't say their beliefs. Like I say, all judgments of Christ and God are based on works, not on beliefs, because works reveal the truth of the beliefs. So just mental assent don't mean nothing. You follow through with it. That's the proof of it. He wants fruitfulness, obedience, and spiritual work. And if he doesn't get it, that person will not be considered his. Okay. Without professing a belief in the Lordship, or with it, people, it's useless to God. Many people say, Lord, Lord. Many people believe he's the Lord. Here we are. They believe that he resurrected. Two billion of them call themselves Christians, and 98% of them are false, and they're not Christians. He teaches each church that they must overcome, okay? Now, he's talking to the ones that are faithful, and he's reproving the ones who aren't and are lost. But he says, unless you overcome, you don't get certain things. So he never talked as if they'd overcome already. They could overcome in the present, but it was not permanent. Salvation is knowing Jesus Christ. We have eternal life in us, but it is not permanent until we are either raptured or we die in the Lord. Then it becomes a permanent possession. Okay, So he tells each church they must overcome. They must continue in faithfulness to him until the end of their lives. He reminds each church the Holy Spirit is speaking. So that means listen seriously to him. For the Father and Son speak the same. Churches are gatherings of true Christian. They will pass and they will die. These seven churches would die eventually, and the whole area within a few hundred years, several hundred years, sixth century, would become Muslims. There would have been no church lampstand there in, in 1,400 years. Okay, so it tells us something that God has no grandchildren. The followers and offspring decided over the years not to continue with the Lord. And so they lost what they had. So we see the church is two or three real Christians and fellowship. That's what the church is at the minimum. The generations die and God has no grandchildren. If the offspring do not follow Christ, they are not of his church. He removes the lampstand and he deals with other people. So that's what happened to the seven churches. They no longer basically exist. They have no influence. Even if there's a few Christians there, there's no lampstand. There's no viable church. See? Hasn't been for 1,400 years, okay? So that should tell us something. God does not breed children like some religions think. Each, eventually, that even is raised in a Christian home and covered by grace to a degree, must come to the Lord and be with him, not in just belief, but in service. Or he is a false Christian or will become one. The masses of so-called Christians are false. 
and he will say, I never knew you, and they will confess and believe he is Lord. It will not save them. He calls them lawless ones, so they're not under the law of Christ. Lawless means they're sinners and wicked. That's what they practice. Okay? To be cursed of the Father. That's what Jesus said. That's their end result. And yet they say, Lord, Lord. And they go into church and they have lots of religion and a name that they're alive in mega churches and they're on the way to hell because they're cursed of the Father. Okay? The falling away even from those who were once saved and served the Lord. We're entering that period of time now. He's not talking about a falling away from denominations. He means those who really had the faith. Those were branches in the vine, then they become cut off because they don't continue with the Lord. They do not continue in his word. They do not continue in their faithfulness and their overcoming life. Okay, The flesh, the world, and the devil. He makes an interesting statement, so it's sort of scary. Jesus once said, when the Son of Man returns, when he comes back at the second coming, he said, will he find faith? I mean, if you take the scripture literally, what he's saying, will he find Christianity? Will he find people that are exercising true faith in God? He presents it as a question because he's limited to his human body. He's emptied himself of divinity, and so he doesn't know. He knows now because he's been restored to his glory. He don't know the second. At that time, he didn't know when the Son of Man was returning. He said, that's only in the Father's hands. Now that he's returned to glory, and with the one, this is the God, he knows pretty well what's going on. He knows everything, okay? But he asked that question, which is scary when you think about it. Will I find faith? And remember, it has to get dark and darker to make it ripe for the time of the Antichrist. So it'll be as the time of Noah and Lot. And aside from their immediate families that chose to stay with them, there weren't any saved. That shows you what kind of place it's going to be. But the time will come. The darkness shall come when no man works. That's what Jesus said. Noah, he stopped working, preaching the gospel, and God shut him in. Lot had said all he was going to say, and then he left. There was nothing else to say. So there's a time that God shuts the door, and there's a time that God withholds his grace, and it's going to come right before the Antichrist to the whole world. And there's going to be very few people they're going to be saved then. Uh, the real church will have been removed by this time. And it won't be that many. I think that when that few disappear, the world media will probably tell everybody that flying saucers came and, and took our uh, decrepit people out of the world. And aren't we better off? They're far better believing that than they want to believe that the Lord took them away. Okay? So that's what deception will do. And now, chapter 4, verse 1, our ending. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and a first voice which I heard, like the sound of trumpets speaking with me. Come up hither, and I will show you what must take place after these things. So after these things, remember her whole lesson is 
on these churches has been the things that are, that are relative to the present state. What things? The churches and grace and time, okay? Now, these are the things that are. Everything, all epistles, all new covenant teaching was for the true church, for those in the covenant. We call it the dispensation of grace, some people. We call it the church age. We call it the second covenant. And that's basically what he's talking about. So everything that Jesus spoke applies to them, applies to us. Until the church is removed, it still applies to us, okay? Then certain things will not apply. And God will deal with the nations under a different standard, okay? When the church has been removed. So John, who was in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was kept to last. As far as we know, he outlived all the other apostles by at least 15 years or so. He outlived Peter and Paul by 25 years. It was something. He has the last word. Isn't that funny? Now, some suppose that the half-brother of Jesus, James, who was considered an apostle, he was not one of twelve, but they consider him the bishop of Jerusalem. And any time Peter and others spoke in conference, it says James, we can see, spoke last. And there was an old saying, the bishop always spoke last. The head, the overseer. And yet he was not one of the twelve even. Okay? So there's no popery. Other revelations are not scriptural. They're based on the word of God. There are no new doctrines. We can build, we can have apostles and prophets who bring forth the present message of the Lord, uh, warn and encourage and reveal certain events, but they're not going to come bring in new scripture. So there is no popery, no Mormonism, no other isms. These are false. They're unacceptable. Paul himself said, if I come back to you or an angel from heaven and preach another gospel to you, let that person be cursed. So what was his evaluation? If any angel, which some of these cults claim that angels came to him, well, there are good angels, but they're not going to come bringing a new doctrine. Okay? Oh, many will believe it. Like John said, many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Okay? Majority is no basis. While we had one of these great musical groups 30, 40 years ago who said, we're more famous than Jesus. Well, of course they are. But they're going to be in hell. The majority of mankind and what the world loves is going to be in hell. And few real Christians overall will be there in heaven. Oh, there'll be a lot of them. But in proportion, few there be that are saved. So of course they may be popular because they're of the world. They're of the devil. They like the things of darkness. They don't like the light and the truth. So this John was one of the 12 apostles. He was there in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he was kept for the last. As far as we know, and as far as historical accounts, the 11 other apostles were all martyred and killed for the Lord. John was not. He was kept. And he was kept till the end, okay? Because he's going to have the last word. There are no real church fathers outside of the apostles and the first generation elders. 
We can call them spiritual fathers, but they're not coming with any doctrine. They're not adding anything to Scripture, see? And John's going to see to it. He has the last word. You don't have to look for any doctrines after John. You have doctrine. You have the foundation and the cornerstone. The others are to rehearse, reiterate, and encourage in what the truth is. That cannot be bringing any new doctrines. There is no popery, okay? There is no isms that have come with a new revelation. If they come with a new revelation, it's from the devil. So John is the last word. Okay. He was an apostle of the foundation. Paul was not that. James was not that. Yet they were equal in power in the early church. It says the apostles and elders. Okay, And yet Paul himself, he calls James an apostle. This something. And Peter calls Paul an apostle. But they weren't of the twelve, the foundation. They were building on it during the beginning of the church. There were apostles and disciples and El Barnabas and Silas. Some people consider them apostles. Well, apostles simply meant the word special messenger. They were pioneers. But only twelve of them were of the foundation. And everything the other ones did had to build on that foundation. They couldn't add to it or take from it. And that's why Paul was commanded by the Holy Spirit through Jesus to go and submit to the authority of the 12 apostles. And he sort of says, well, they're not adding anything to me. It don't matter. You will submit. He said, lest I run in vain. I'll try to preach the gospel, and all the original 12 have to do is say is he's not of us, and that would have ended most of what he did. Because the Holy Spirit told him, you go and submit. You're not part of the foundation. You'll build greatly on this foundation, and you'll probably build better and more than many of the others did, but you are not of the foundation, okay? People need to understand that. They elevate Paul and the perversion of their teachings or perversions of Paul, this greasy grace and once saved, always saved. And people want to elevate Paul as the 13th apostle. They're lying. There's no such teaching that he's the 13th. He evaluated. He was born out of time. He wished he was one of the 12, but he wasn't saved until six or eight years afterwards. And he actually preached the gospel for many years before he was recognized as an apostle. He wasn't immediately accepted. And even when he was accepted by some of the churches, he spent much of his life defending his apostolic stand. But he never once said, I'm one of the 12. None of the others had to defend who they were. We well, see in their writings, they don't prove it, but Paul often has to, because he had many Jews that come after him and many false Christians. But they didn't challenge John or Peter. They accepted him as he was. They even accepted James, the half-brother, as being the overall seer of the Jerusalem church. But Paul, up until the end of his life, was still fighting. That was one of the thorns of the flesh, the stakes in the flesh he had to bear. So he is not the 13th apostles. 
His epistles are confirmation of Scripture. Peter calls Paul's writing Scripture. Paul calls Peter and the others he knows, they're the foundation. He calls the half-brother an apostle. He is the one who tells us that the Lord appeared to James in that 40-day period between his resurrection and ascension. Before that, when Jesus was crucified, James was not a believer. And all of a sudden, later, we see him up at Pentecost with the others. He's been converted. He's been called by the Lord. And before Paul was, at least six to eight years, some say longer. But it's Paul who says he's an apostle, and the Lord appeared to him. But he was not one of the twelve, okay? So the twelve had to live and experience the everyday relationship with Christ for three and a half years. And even the replacement for Judas had to qualify. And they put forth two of them they thought was good candidates. And they cast the lots, the holy lot, and they chose that. But they had to meet those conditions. They had to be, remember the 70 disciples went around often with the 12 apostles. So many of them were there from the beginning. The scripture says many women were disciples and they went around and fed them and took care of their clothing during that three and a half years. They were disciples of the Lord, okay? But they weren't of the 12. The interesting thing is I repeat constantly, Paul was a great teacher on grace and faith. We say oh, theology, a doctrine, where Peter and James and others, they elaborate it on what grace and faith produces. They don't repeat often the same things. They elaborate on it. And we find John, in his first epistle, mentioning six to eight things to prove whether a person's a Christian or not, and he does not use faith or grace. He says, if you live a certain way, did you not save? You talk about if you believed in the Lord. Well, even Paul himself said, if you don't obey righteousness, you're not under grace. See, Paul talked about that. And Peter says they pervert Paul's writings. They've been doing that for years. But he said, he has some hard things to say that they stumble at to their own destruction. So he talked about them perverting the gospel. And what did they pervert? Grace and faith. Once saved, always saved. Uh, your spirit can't sin, so you can do what you want with the rest of the body. These are doctrines of demons. Okay, So we find that in the book of Revelation, which is a prophecy, so we cannot say that it's really John's opinion or John speaking under inspiration. It wasn't his epistle. But where the Lord himself is speaking to the churches, he basically doesn't mention hardly anything directly about grace and faith. He does the same thing he did, that John did. He tells you what it produces. And then he says, here's what I'll give the overcomer. So he refutes the grace teachers and faith that it's a one-time thing. He tells each one of them, you have to overcome to the end. That's why a lot of these so-called Calvinistic, they use that term. Well, he was a murderer. You know, he had some theology, but he was not in the Lord, and his teachings were false, okay? That'll stir up a few people. So his epistles and his prophecy was to talk about what faith and grace produced. 
So he was against just mental assent. All of our Christianity today as a whole is mental assent Christianity. There is no lordship. There's no obeying the Lord. And who are the sons of God, Paul said? Those who are led of the Spirit. He didn't say those who believe in the Son of God only. Well, that's a part of it. But that's not the proof alone. Jesus said, don't call me Lord if you're not going to do what I tell you to do. See, believe it is not enough. When Jesus taught all the several parables, he asked the disciples, do you understand what I said? And they said, oh, yeah. And he said, well, blessed are you if you do it. Blessed are you if you work it, if you work it out. See, belief was vain. He said, if you just believe and listen, you're building on sand. It has no validation. So he said the same thing from the beginning. If you do not follow the Lord and obey him, all of your belief is empty. And you will say, Lord, Lord, and he will say, you're cursed of my father. I don't know you. Well, the majority of Christendom is still saying, Lord, Lord, and they're still not Christians after 1900 years or something, okay? So because he didn't emphasize the word grace and faith, why should John? Paul did a good explanation of it and explaining it. They're going to build on it. And Paul was after John's ministry. And then John was after Paul. So we see he surrounds it all. He's there in the beginning. He's there at the end. Okay, He has the last word to the church. He is the last of the church fathers. There are no new doctrines. There's no new scripture. Everything builds on the foundation and the witness of the 12 apostles and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So he reveals and teaches and explains what true grace and faith are. See, that's what's important. And people like mental assent because don't require nothing of them. Or just believe, well, the scripture doesn't say that. Many people say, well, don't you want to receive Jesus in eternal life? They mention nothing of sin and judgment and conviction. They're presenting a false gospel. And many of them are not saved. And the few that get saved will be lost again if they continue in that doctrine. Okay? So some people say, well, I just want to get people saved. Well, you're a false shepherd. That's no place in the scripture. That's just the beginning of the Christian life. That's the beginning of the warfare and the pill. Once you start the race, you've not finished. Your life will determine whether you finish or not. See, So people are trying to say, well, say this prayer and everything's taken care of. They will be in the lake of fire, tormented day and night for preaching a false gospel and deceiving many who deserve to be deceived because they're gullible. Okay, so the world warns about this. And so the church of Revelation, which are spoken of by God, he says overcome. I think Paul was superseded by Jesus when he said every church must overcome and must continue to overcome. And Paul would go back and say, I'll add to my epistle, explain that more. But he did say, if you don't obey righteousness, then you're obeying sin, which leads to eternal death. So Paul made it plain that he didn't believe in that kind of grace that these people were using his name to preach. And many generations falsely did some. Okay. 
So we see the same with the churches. He's emphasizing works. To each church, he says, I know your works. Now, he's talking about spiritual works. He's not talking about man's effort on his own. He's not talking about pharisaical works. He's not talking about Roman Catholic rituals. See, Luther would have done a good job if he talked about spiritual works, but he didn't. He answered a heresy with a heresy. You do not have to adhere to Roman Catholic works, but as Luther said later, and Calvin, they believed you have a license to sin, basically. So they just answered a heresy with a heresy. They didn't do no good. Jesus says you have to produce actions, works, obedience, fruitfulness. And the person that doesn't, doesn't have grace or faith, or they forfeited it. Jesus said, every branch in me, you have to be saved to be any. If you don't produce good fruit, he said, my father will cut you off. He makes it very plain. There has to be obedience, fruitfulness, and good works. And even Paul said, be careful in Titus to maintain good works. James says it. Faith without works is dead. They're talking about spiritual works. They're not talking about human effort alone. That's vain. That doesn't produce anything. That's the self-righteousness of the Pharisee. It's works that are inspired and helped by the Holy Spirit. It's the union of the divine and the human will. Work out, the scripture says, work out your own salvation. See, it doesn't say it's instant and complete at that moment. If you stay with Jesus, it is. He says, work out. Notice he used the word. He didn't say believe out. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling that you don't sin against God and that you stay in the proofs of your faith and grace. That you produce obedience and fruitfulness is the proof that you're in Christ. Peter said, make your election sure. If you're elected by God and chose him, and he chose you, then prove it. Your lifestyle is to prove that you got the goods. So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God works in you to will and do of his pleasure. Now people say, well, that means the irresistible grace. No, it doesn't. The new man, which we have from Christ, delights to do the will of God. And the old man, part of the corrupt nature that we're to keep down, it delights in self-seeking and wickedness. So he said, but you have a choice. You yield to one or the other. But God will work in you. He works in the new man. He strengthens the new man. He gives him the ability to say no to the old man. Paul tells us we put to death the works of the flesh, the old man. And we keep him dead by overriding his impulses. Oh, they're still there. And they will be there until the rapture of the church when mortality puts on immortality. And when we enter heaven, the old man isn't there. He's left behind. And therefore, we're looking for what's called final salvation. See, we have eternal life as we walk in Christ. 
but it's not guaranteed permanently here, we can forfeit it. We can cease to walk with Christ. We can obey the old man. We can go back to the sins and pleasures of the world and forfeit what Christ has given us. All the apostles taught that. Jesus taught that. There is no irresistible grace. So we are to work out with proper fear and respect for the Lord, fearing not to sin to the degree he leaves us or he judges us for it severely. See, that's fear and respect. You hate sin because God hates sin. And he will not tolerate it in anyone. The wicked or the backsliding eventually is wicked and cut off from the vine. So that's the warnings we've been given. We're to work out the grace of God as the Holy Spirit. And another scripture says, if you, now this is Paul, if you with the help of the Spirit put to death the works of the flesh, that's the old man, that's the drawing of the old nature, you will live. But see, if you don't, you will die. And you'll die spiritually, okay? You'll die the second death, which is the lake of fire. So he says, if you, you have a choice. See, the will is put in the neutral ability to exercise God's will or to exercise the flesh and the devil. And it can say no. And the devil cannot overpower it. See, that's the difference of the new covenant. God winked at some of the things in the old because they didn't have the ability to do certain things. But in the new, we have the ability. We put on the whole armor of Christ. This is the Spirit's help. If we don't, we are defeated by the devil, the world, and the flesh. So it's left up to us. Notice the two commands. First, if you by the Spirit do this, so you have to do it. And then he says, work out your own salvation. You work it out. And God will work in you. He's talking to the Christian. But ultimately, it's decision, and the will is given power to make that decision. But it is not overwhelmed. It is not overridden. God leaves the individual choices to individuals before and after they're saved. It doesn't change. There is no permanent, irresistible, overwhelming grace. Okay, so then we say, because all that Christ and John taught explains what true grace and faith do. That's why they don't reiterate the same thing. They add to it. They explain it. That's what a good teacher does. Just quoting scripture to people and giving them a Bible don't help much. God called teachers to do that and ministers. Just give them why the Bible's the most read book in the world and the least understood, and most of the people reading it are not saved because they need a teacher and a minister anointed by God to reveal the truth. There's no replacement if they're not called. Now, an individual can be the exception and seek the Lord and be sincere, and God can go out of his way. But the general way that people are saved are by the preaching of the gospel through anointed servants. That's it. So don't seek to replace the church with the Bible. They both have to be used. The written word does not take precedent over the true body of Christ. See, people, some of these false cults think it does, 
But see, they can't interpret the word. And only those who have spiritual revelation and are gifted by God can truly reveal what the word means. It's hidden. It's concealed from the wicked. And Jesus said, I thank you, Lord of heaven, Father, that you've hid these things and revealed it to the simple. And Paul said, I pray the God of revelation that he give you this revelation and discernment into the things of God. He was praying that for the Christian. He didn't pray that for the sinner. Because it's the Christian that has to pronounce the truth under inspiration that brings conviction and opens the eyes of the sinner. Reading the scripture alone is not going to do that. See, they're not capable. It was not meant to do that. If so, Paul would have said, let's write the Bible and give the Bible to everybody and keep our mouth shut. He didn't preach that, did he? Okay, so you have a lot of foolish people out there don't know what they're talking about. So in closing, as we finish with the church of Revelation, he's showing us that grace and faith is revealed by works, spiritual works, fruit, and obedience. And that will prove that you have the real good. As Jane says, that will prove you're of the elect because you've continued with him. And then he says, after these things, now some debate, some things of the church age may be included in parts of the book of Revelation. Some believe that all of this is after the church is gone. So you have debates among this. But let me give you a good secret. You may not fully understand the book of Revelation. Very few do. And yet it's there for us to understand and study. But if you're following the Lord, and without spot or wrinkle, you'll hear the trumpet. You don't need no instructions of how to hear the trumpet. You'll be caught up with the Lord. You may not know all the theology, but the scripture says, Paul says, the Lord knows who's his. So we may differ on method and certain prophecies of revelation for the end time. That's not heresy. That's difference of opinion that some have a deeper insight, some are babes, some are mature. But as far as moral sins and living right, that'll damn you to hell. If you don't live right and you practice gross sin, you're going to the lake of fire eventually. But babes are being matured and they need to understand and grow in grace that they don't fall for trickery and false teachings and so forth. If they get grounded, but you don't get grounded in the Word by just studying the Word. See, that's the fallacy. And what I counseled for years, that was the fallacy of most people. Oh, they spent much time studying Scripture for years, but they didn't spend much time obeying the Lord or their conscience, and therefore they were not enlightened. Oh, they could quote Scripture back and forth, But they spent years of bitterness and unforgiveness and spite. And God doesn't give them spiritual revelation. Oh, they have mental assent revelation. It won't do them a bit of good. Only those who obey the Lord and are led of the Spirit will ultimately get the revelation and get the spiritual insights. And the Spirit will come alongside and instruct them. That's why beginner Christians sometimes can be closer to God 
than people who've been in the way because they haven't had time to let bitterness and resentfulness start to build up in their lives. But I've had many people who want to, I'd say 90% of the people I canceled could not go on with the Lord and they thought it was because of this and that and it boiled down to forgiveness. Now you don't have to forgive the wicked. Scripture doesn't say that. He said you give place to wrath. You let God take care of it. But a true Christian has to forgive a true Christian. But you don't have to forgive a true Christian if he doesn't repent. There's no automatic forgiveness. Jesus instructs us. And if the person doesn't get right and accept forgiveness from a true Christian, well, Jesus said, throw him out. Have nothing to do with him. You don't forgive him. His sin is held against him. That's what it means to retain and forgive. So don't be fooled that you have to forgive every wicked person that does everything to you. That's God's business to judge them. You don't have to do anything. You just turn it over to God. But you have to forgive a true Christian that is truly repentant. If he's not repentant, you rebuke him. Scripture says, if your brother sins against you, you rebuke him. And then he says, if he asks forgiveness, forgive him. But see, if he doesn't ask forgiveness or he doesn't repent, you do not forgive him. You do not have the right to forgive him, for God does not forgive him. See, there's a lot of fallacies out there trying to put a lot of guilt trips on people. So in closing, what Paul and Peter and now we find John, everything he wrote to the seven churches applies to the church of the day as the seven churches that Paul preached. So we are to believe what Jesus teaches as well as we believe all of the apostolic and epistles teaching. Uh, Let's close. Lord, give us wisdom and practical application to see the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.